2: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me, he's back. It's Kyle Madsen of NinersWire.com of the USA Today Sports Media Group and 95.7 The Game in the Bay Area. Kyle, what's going on? Is it Sunday yet? It is not.
3: Do I sound tired? Because I am tired. Yeah, no, it sounds like it. You've been working very hard. The beat writers in general down there... I cannot keep up with with all the stuff that that's coming out of there from from your paper the Sacramento Bee and and everybody else. So, a uh, terrific job by you and your cohort of beat writers because I think the coverage has been excellent.
2: Yeah, it's a little bit of a unique week and and this is my first Super Bowl that I've that I've covered while covering the 49ers obviously, but it's unique from the standpoint of there's not a whole lot of news. and uh, and and because there are so many media people here, I think the week is more about trying to find unique angles to write about because everyone on planet earth is is writing about matchups and players to watch. And um you know, national outlets have twenty people here all breaking down what Travis Kelsey is going to look like against Jaquaski Tart. And things like that. So for me, it's more about finding sort of long narrative pieces. So it's like, uh, you know, yesterday I, I finally got to write a story I've been wanting to write all season about Matt LaFleur, or sorry, Mike LaFleur and uh, Mike McDaniel, the, the 49ers top offensive lieutenants to Kyle Shanahan, and uh, and been working on longer things like that. So I'm working on right now a big Shanahan piece that's going to come out, I guess, on Sunday, Sunday morning for the game to preview it. So it's uh, it's a little bit more intense when you're working on a couple long stories, a couple bigger, more in-depth stories each day, as opposed to just banging out some news like you would during the regular season. But yeah, it's been fun. It's exciting. It's a Super Bowl. Uh, we started recording this at 1230 a.m. on, um, I guess, technically it's Friday morning here in Miami. So I am very much ready to go to bed. But this is a Super Bowl. This is the biggest game of the year. And, uh, and it's exciting. We're going we're gonna to preview it. We're going to talk about it and, expl- and go through uh, what we think the, the 49ers need to do to, to win the game and what their obstacles might be. But Kyle, I'm curious, from your vantage point, being back in the Bay Area, being involved in, in sports talk coverage, um, I really haven't been paying attention to a whole lot of coverage outside of my own and, and what's going on immediately around me. I'm curious what the the storylines are like from your vantage point and and how you're absorbing this week of uh, of super of the Super Bowl.
3: I think something that's that's really stood out to me is is I think people are trying to find a player to attach themselves to. Um, the Niners for for such a long time, like there are, there are what like forty six different new players since 2017 on this year's roster. Is yeah, that right? I think there are only
2: there are only seven guys who are held over from the previous. Uh,
3: yeah, yeah. So I think people are like looking for the personalities they're looking for um, because we're hearing more from players than we do really at all during the year, mm-hmm. and because, like you said, it's not just the beat writers; it's the national people. It's it's these random media outlets they're interviewing Nick Bosa or or interviewing Joe Staley or whoever it may be. So I think people are really looking for like the personalities here because game-wise it's been wild the takes about the game mm-hmm. because for me when the Chiefs won the AFC title game I said this is gonna be a brutal matchup for the Niners like the Chiefs are just rolling right now this feels like one of those buzzsaw type of things um, and we got in Monday and the first several callers we had were like, "Yeah, the Niners are going to win. It's a good defense, a good, it's a good offense, and good defense wins championships." And the level of confidence from from Forty Nine er fans, I think, has been the most the most shocking thing to me. At least at least out in this area, I don't know if you've talked to people out there or, or what have you, but it seems like national media I've seen and read are pretty split. Um, but but out here, people are very into this Niners team. They very much think they're going to win on Sunday, and they are very much looking for a a face of the team, since I think a lot of people, frankly, uh, probably checked out around 2014 or 2015, and now they're getting back into it, uh, trying to to find a new favorite player or or whatever it is.
2: Yeah, I I think it's interesting. I I do think the Niners are a better team with a better roster, and... uh... You know, I know Andy Reid is is this sort of living legend coach, and and he has fingerprints all over the league in terms of his off his influence to a ton of offensive coaches who run a version of of his West Coast offense or are part of his coaching tree. You you look at Doug Peterson in Philadelphia, obviously Matt Nagy with the Bears, guys who have had success in recent seasons, um, but. You know I I do tend to think the more I look at this matchup that the 49ers have a very good chance at winning if they play their game right like I I think given what we've seen about this from this team and all the evidence that we have and how they've played in all of their biggest games I think they're designed to beat a team like the Chiefs and it's really going to be the ultimate test because I mean what one thing that's really good about the Super Bowl is that it's It's the toughest matchup that both teams have had all season, right? Like, you know, there are some times where, say, the Seahawks in in 2013, for example, really the Super Bowl that year was the NFC title game, and then the Seahawks wound up rolling the Broncos that year. The Niners were uh, the Seahawks' toughest opponent, and that NFC title game was really more or less a de facto Super Bowl the Niners rolling over Minnesota in seven, in, by 17 points in the divisional round and then doing the same thing against the Packers in the NFC title game makes you think that the, you know this is definitely the toughest t- test the 49ers are going to have. And and I do liken it a lot to that Saints game from Week 14 where the 49ers won 48-46. I think there are a lot of similarities from the standpoint of you're going up against an explosive offense. A lot of people are picking the other team to win. The 49ers are underdogs. Uh, the 49ers will have spent a week on the road. Incidentally, they'll be in Florida again. Um, and this is the third time this season. We've talked about it a lot, but the 49ers have played really well in their previous two stints after practicing on the road before playing in their game. So they're doing that again this week, obviously. And I just think the running game, uh, the, you know, it matches up really well with the Chiefs defense. I, I don't think the Chiefs linebackers are particularly good. Um, I, I think, you know, the Chiefs, Losing Juan Horn Juan Thornhill, their their rookie safety, uh, who went down with with an injury in in late December, I think that's a big deal. That I don't know if that's getting a lot of attention in terms of the way other people talk about this game. Um, I, I do think though, obviously Patrick Mahomes is going to be a problem, but if the Chiefs decide to play sort of a traditional brand of football, um, where I, I mean that in in a sense of like tempo and um you know if they if they don't go up tempo and they just sort of run a traditional offense i do really like the 49ers chances i think the chiefs best opportunity to really strain the 49ers defense is going to be to pass and pass in uh in a way that really upsets the tempo of the game where they're going no huddle they're trying to wear down the 49ers pass rushers because we've seen depth be an issue And although it's been, you know, it'll have been two weeks since they last played and they haven't played a whole lot of snaps, I think that's ultimately the best way to negate San Francisco's pass rush. And I absolutely think they can do it because Andy Reid is a really good schemer when it comes to, you know, short passing games, quick drops, um, getting the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands quickly, whether it's with the screen, uh, whether it's, you know, with short routes, things like that. You know, the Chiefs have a ton of weapons, whether it's Travis Kelsey. Um, or Tyreek Hill or Miko Hardman like they they have a lot of different options to attack the 49ers defense with but if they don't utilize tempo and and they don't you know t- try to take the 49ers pass rush out of the game by just passing the ball as often as they can then I really like the 49ers in this matchup because I think everything they do schematically on schematically on offense in terms of their way to run the ball um the, the the way they can exploit the middle of the field against Kansas City's linebackers who aren't all that great, uh, I think the Forty ers are going to be able to score a bunch of points, and so it's really going to be up to Patrick Mahomes and the type of day he has that you know is, is going to determine the outcome of the game. And I know that's not breaking news, but I just mean from the standpoint of. I think the Chiefs do need to pass the ball as much as possible, as often as possible by going no huddle and pushing the tempo in the game to wear out the pass rush.
3: Yeah, I think it would be a mistake if the Chiefs tried to like zag and start running the ball. Like if I'm the Chiefs, I'm having Patrick Mahomes throwing it like 50 times, regardless of the game flow. Like that's your best player. Put it in his hands and let him go make plays. And I think I, I agree one hundred percent with what you're saying about how the Chiefs offense uh, might go about attacking this Niners defense. It's uh gonna be a lot of quick throws, uh a lot of stressing them horizontally, and then seeing if they can break a play over the top. Uh if if the Chiefs do try to just line up and, and do their thing where they're taking deep shots, the Niners only gave up ten. 10 plays, uh, 10 pass plays, 20 or more yards down the field this year has the best mark in the league. That's via pro football focus. And that's that's just something I don't think the Chiefs are going to have a lot of success at. So if they do try that kind of extended running game where it's just Tyreek Hill really quick in the flat or Sammy Watkins on a quick slant where they just try and get those guys the ball in space, I think they might have success doing that. The reason I think they might not is because the 49ers linebackers are very fast. And Fred Warner, Quan Alexander, Dre Greenlaw, those three guys in the middle, I think can run enough and close on pass catchers quick enough that it negates some of the speed and the game breaking ability of those guys when they do uh, get the ball to Tyreek Hill quickly in the flat or, or, you know, pick your poison with that offense.
2: Yeah, I, I got some. Uh, Warren Sharp over at um, Sharp Football sent out a packet to a number of different media members, basically anybody who requested it. Um, and it had a lot of interesting uh, data points to, to look at when, when evaluating this game. And, and one of the things that really stood out to me was the fact that the 49ers, in terms of the rate of explosive plays their passing game generates, were uh, number one in the NFL that 13% of their passing plays produced gains of 20 yards or more, um, the Chiefs were number nine in that metric, and their average was 9%. Now, what you know that is a rate statistic, right? So we don't right. know exactly, uh, or at least the, this this data doesn't tell us, um, you know, the bulk numbers, the counting stats in terms of those metrics. But from an efficiency standpoint, the 49ers having the most explosive passing offense in the league while Jimmy Garoppolo averaged the fewest yards per uh, yards per attempt in terms of air yardage indicates that Kyle Shanahan is running a scheme where he can get guys open and the 49ers playmakers are really good with the ball in their hands um, so i think that's a, uh, a going to be a really interesting thing to watch from the standpoint of you know people talk about can Jimmy Garoppolo win a game with his arm? I mean, I, I think you and I have both talked about this ad nauseum. I think Niner fans are tired of hearing all of the questions about Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think that's a really interesting t- statistic because it sort of proves what we've all been thinking in that the 49ers' pass offense is pretty good, um, and Sharp's uh, ranks it eighth overall uh, based on on his data and uh, and I think that's that's pretty much right in line. I think if you take away Jimmy Garoppolo's interceptions, obviously he's 13 on the on the season, um, that would be the Niners' passing defense. Offense would be significantly more potent. So um, I, I do think the 49ers are going to score a lot of points. Another reason why I think that 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 Sharp pointed out too, which is really interesting, the Chiefs' run defense ranks dead last in the league. In run success rate when teams use pre-snap motions before runs, right? So the 49ers use pre-snap motions on 70, uh, 70% of their plays, which is the most in the NFL. The average is 40%, so they're pretty pretty far and away the most, uh, the, the most uh, you know, they, they use pre-snap motion more than anybody else. And the Chiefs' defensive success rate allowed... Um, drops from by 11% when teams use pre-smap motions ahead of runs and they allow 5.3 yards per carry instead of 4.5 yards per carry when there is no motion. So given the fact that the 49ers use motion so heavily, the Chiefs linebackers aren't all that great. Um, the Chiefs, you know, defensive line they do have some good pass rushers but I don't know that they necessarily have a bunch of guys who are really stout against the run and you just look at the rhythm and that that this 49ers running game is, is in right now and I know they haven't played in a couple weeks obviously but just racking up 470 plus rushing yards in their last two games I think is is the antidote for Patrick Mahomes and if the Chiefs do come out and try to pass as often as they can and push the tempo in the game like we saw the Cardinals do in in on Halloween, um, and also in in their game in November, um, I, I think that's sort of the antidote, right? Like it's it's common sense and it's talked about a lot, but like run the ball, c- control the clock, keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, and that's how I think the 49ers can do it because of all the pre snap motion they use and the data. Uh, at least Sharp's data says that the the Forty Niners. Should be able to take advantage of that because the Chiefs have really struggled in that area, making adjustments on the fly after the teams break the huddle, and and you know you're basically changing formations and and forcing the defense to adjust and change their viewpoints, and and with all of that motion and all the window dressing, and you know the fake jet sweeps and and the real jet sweeps, and using George Kittle um, in on some of those jet sweep plays, and you know even if it, if you do use Kyle check in a in a read option like the Niners did in New Orleans. I just think there are a lot of different ways you could take advantage of what the Chiefs defense doesn't do well. And now you're looking at a, a very favorable matchup for the 49ers, but obviously the great equalizer obviously is, is gonna be Patrick
3: Mahomes on the other side. I have two things with what you just said. One, the 49ers need to scrap the George Kittle jet sweep. Like that it needs to go like it, it doesn't work anymore. Uh, I think that needs to not be a play that's in the playbook anymore. Also, uh, a prop bet is Kyle Eusechek. His over under for receiving yards on the site that my friend uses is twelve and a half, and that just feels like a lock on the over. He hasn't caught a pass in two weeks. Anything they design for him, he's going to be running wide open. I love Kyle Yuzchek to have over 12 and a half receiving yards. Your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, he definitely could. You remember that Seattle game? He had that 150 yard catch. Yeah,
3: his last two um, catches but... have gone for 23 yards and 49 yards. And he hasn't had a catch in two weeks. And just to, I, I brought that up to bounce off the point that you were talking about where the Niners can do so much pre snap stuff. And the Chiefs linebackers, they don't have the athleticism that the Niners linebackers do. So they have to, they, their eye discipline is, <laughs> that's one of my favorite things to say. Uh, they they have to, if they think a play is going a certain direction, they have to get leaning that way to keep up. Or they're going to get beat by a step or a half step. And that one step the wrong way is the difference between stopping Raheem Mostert for a gain of two or Raheem Mostert going for a gain of 18. And I just, i I feel like this is one of those games where maybe half a dozen times they're going to get Kyle Usech running against the defensive end or uh Debo Samuel with a linebacker chasing him across the middle like it just it feels like there are a ton of exploitable matchups for the Niners and the Chiefs defense is going to make adjustments and I don't think the Niners are going to score 60 points but I think there's going to be several plays where like football nerd twitter just goes ballistic because they're gonna freak out about the design and look at how he gets Kyle use check open and um I, I that that feels like something that that's coming I, I do expect the Niners offense to move the ball maybe not necessarily easily because points are generally hard to come by in the Super Bowl but uh I, I think they're gonna like it's the under talked about storyline here right like so much is be- the Chiefs' offense, best quarterback versus, versus the Niners' top defense, when really I think the larger concern might be whether the Chiefs can stop the 49ers.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, I, I'm I'm very curious to see what we get from Patrick Mahomes in this game. And it, does Patrick Mahomes come out and light the world on fire uh, throughout the entire game and just make it a complete shootout? Or at some point, is the 49ers defense going to have answers? Like, is it going to be one of those games where Mahomes struggles for like a quarter or two and then just goes on, you know, scores touchdowns on four straight series? Or is it going to be one of those games where it's a little bit harder for him to score because the 49ers defense is playing so well? And I'm also curious if the 49ers defense, you know, if they switch up what they typically do, and, and I wouldn't expect them to, to make drastic changes, but, um, you know, are they going to play more man-to-man coverage than they typically would? Are they going to uh, drop two safeties deep and play two-man, which is probably the best way to cover up the speed that the Chiefs have? Because you do have fast safeties in Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski Tart. Um, but Tart typically, you know, plays close to the line of scrimmage. You have single high deep, and then you play cover three, which is your your cornerbacks dropping towards the the deep uh, the deep third of the field, basically. And and you have Jimmy Ward roaming the middle, um, and and that allows you to be more aggressive in the running game. But it also allows you to play a lot of underneath zone. But the the issue with that, of course, is that the Chiefs attack downfield probably more than any other team, and they have the speed to do that. So do you try to slow down Patrick Mahomes and the reads that he can make by having an extra safety deep, uh, which sort of goes against what you've been doing all year, at least at the rate that it would probably take to slow down Mahomes. So is Robert Sala, the Niners defensive coordinator, going to have a wrinkle like that to where, yeah, we're not just a, a, a heavy cover three team that plays zone at probably the highest rate or one of the highest rates in the NFL. Or are we going to switch it up because this is such a unique matchup? And how are we going to do that? Are we going to roll Jimmy Ward over to to Tyreek Hill's side of the field so you ensure he's double-covered at all times with somebody over the top and then force somebody like McCole Hardman uh, or Travis Kelsey to beat you? And how are they going to defend t- Kelsey? Isn't going to be Jaquaski tart most of the time in man coverage? Or are you going to mix up uh, – I mean, I would imagine they're going to mix up zone and man – to, to you know vary the looks that Patrick Mahomes sees but I mean Mahomes is is really good in zone coverage and and Kelsey is really lethal in the middle of the field yep. in zone coverage and those two have a really good thing going in terms of Kelsey's ability to find those soft spots and settle down into them um, and he can make contested catches he's a big physical pass catcher uh, and and he's going to be a tough guy for the 49ers to cover but I mean, you look at the 49ers linebackers and Fred Warner and Quad Alexander, and I think, you know, the 49ers are equipped to to slow down somebody like Travis Kelsey. They've been one of the best defenders against tight ends in terms of the passing game throughout the entire season. So I, I do think the Niners are equipped there. I'm just, you know, if you do run man coverage, particularly on third down, which is when the 49ers most often do use man coverage, is that going to allow Patrick Mahomes to to wiggle free of the pocket and then rush for third down for first downs on right. third down right like that's what that's one thing the 49ers have been susceptible to all year even though they have been so good at getting sacks on third down uh, the other side of that is that they've given up a lot of third down scrambles and i know you know Pat Mahomes isn't Russell Wilson and he's not Kyler Murray But he is athletic and and he can make those plays and he can also make throws on the run while he's moving, which is really the best way to combat a pass rush like the 49ers. So I think, you know, I wrote about it a little bit last week that the 49ers have been really good at um, pass rushing with discipline and, and doing it as a team, not just, you know, having these super talented guys, all these first round picks win their individual matchups. They're really good at running all these different games and stunts and twists um, that really stress offensive lines and that um, they they do that with chemistry and with timing. Uh, and and if they do that really well on, on Sunday, which I imagine they will against a Chiefs that Chiefs offensive line, then I think that could be really difficult. But that if, if they don't have that discipline and get out of their rushing lanes, then if patrick mahomes isn't beating you from the pocket at the top of his drops he's he's moving around he's either scrambling for first downs and or he's on the move making plays with his arm when you know it's he's he might be the most dangerous from that standpoint because that's not really something you can scheme for you know you you scheme for the first 3 or 4 seconds of the play and then once the play breaks down then it's just backyard football and it, it's just playing purely on instinct and with all the speed that the Chiefs have and how good Patrick Mahomes is, uh, I just think that could be really tough and, and that could be a huge factor in the game.
3: Yeah, uh, one of the teams that had a lot of success against the Chiefs this year was was the Chargers and Patrick Mahomes had three completions of more than 30 yards all year against the Chargers. Uh, his two longest touchdowns were a uh, 24 yards and 23 yards. Like what s- Los Angeles did was they, they went the route of just taking away anything deep. Like they just decided that the, the chiefs weren't going to beat them on deep routes. And there was one play in particular that stood out. I sent you the screenshot. There are five chargers defenders standing around two chiefs receivers uh twenty-five plus yards away from the line of scrimmage. And this was on a third and twelve play. Mahomes had to take an underneath route. The Chargers swarmed to the ball. A guy comes up short. The Chiefs punt. And I think that's gonna kind of be the Niners game plan is they're gonna they're gonna take away that deep shot. And they're gonna say, "Hey, take everything you want in the middle of the field in the intermediate in the intermediate areas, uh, and then and then have the- I mentioned the speed in the second level with the linebackers, and then have those guys swarm to the ball and and come up with stops." I just think by by all means you can't let as you as you called it backyard football you can't let those plays beat you because when that starts happening, that's when the Chiefs get rolling. And we saw it in both of their playoff games. We've seen it. I mean, go watch any Chiefs game. That's when their offense is at their best is when Patrick Mahomes. It's like watching Steph Curry uh, during during his prime. It's like he might pull up from 35, and you might have a hand in his face, and it's not going to matter. Uh, Mahomes is going to make five to ten plays that are just kind of jaw-dropping, he's the only guy in the universe that can make that play type of plays, you just have to make sure that when he does it, it's not a 60-yard touchdown. If he does that and it's complete for seven yards because he threw it behind his back with his left hand as he was going to the ground, you know, you deal with that. But if he scrambles out and Tyreek Hill gets behind the defense, like, you just can't let that happen.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, And I wonder, you know, there has been a lot of talk particularly from the Chiefs' side about you know what it's going to take for for them to beat the 49ers and they've been very open in saying that we want to stop the run and and let Jimmy Garoppolo beat us and I do wonder if if there's going to be a sense of gamesmanship in that are the chiefs going to try to bait the 49ers into coming out and and throwing the ball Um, or you know are the chiefs going to pretend to play the run and then uh, you know, you know, like load the box, but sort of do do that thing where you load the box, but you drop into coverage. because what what the 49ers did, you remember in that Vikings game was they they threw six passes on their opening drive when they scored a touchdown, right? And then that set up the run. I wonder if, you know, the, there's gonna be a little bit of a re- reverse psychology there from the Chiefs standpoint saying, well, yeah, we we're gonna stop the run. But we know that means you're going to throw early on, so we're not really pl- going to play all out to stop the run, at least early in the game. And we're going to see what you guys do first. And then maybe if the 49ers decide, oh, they're going to play the pass early on in this game, then we're just going to run it down their throats. Then is there going to be another readjustment that that goes into that game? Sort of the chess match that that goes back and forth, if, if that makes sense. I, I just... I find this game fascinating because, I mean, there is so much time um, between games. So we have so much time to think about what's going to happen. Yeah. But um, I, I just, you know, the fact that the 49ers have run the ball so well and, and relied on it so heavily, I just wonder how much of that is really going to factor into this game, if at all, because I know the 49ers do want to run the ball and so much of their offense is based off of the running game, particularly play action. Um, but are the, are the Chiefs going to work to counteract that over these last two weeks so significantly that they actually are going to be able to slow the run, similar to the way they did against Derrick Henry against the Titans, or is it going to be something where even though the Chiefs are loading up to stop the run, the Niners can run at them regardless? Because I think trying to defend Derrick Henry as good as he is is significantly different than trying to defend what the 49ers do because right. it is such a different schematic look and yes. the the personnel is so different when it comes to you know the ball carriers and the speed that Raheem Mostert and well, Kevin Coleman and Matt to have.
3: And and Arthur Smith, the Titans offensive coordinator, <clears throat> was an offensive line and tight ends coach for a little bit before becoming the Titans offensive coordinator. And he did a really nice job this year. Like This isn't to take anything away from him. Ryan Tannehill was spectacular in his offense. But I just don't think he's creative enough, or or I should say experienced enough, to have a counter for what the Chiefs did. I think they were going to run Derrick Henry into the ground, come hell or high water. And the Chiefs sat on that, and it worked. And like you said, that's not going to work with San Francisco, because they might give you a look with their personnel that says hey they're about to run it and then they they'll throw out of that and they'll they'll get a chunk play out of it because of uh, the the versatility in in their personnel and i think that's just a testament to the roster the 49ers have built and then the way Shanahan looks at looks at offense um, I, I just really think that's why the Niners are so dangerous and why they score 30 points a game and why they rack up so many yards is because you can't sell out to stop one thing because then you leave yourself vulnerable and are in another area. And when you do that, Shanahan's going to take advantage. It just feels like the only way the Niners don't rack up a bunch of points is if Garoppolo or the offensive line just don't execute. Yeah,
2: I totally agree. And, and you know, I, I we, we've we talked a lot, almost actually over a half an hour already uh, on this pod about, you know, specific football philosophy stuff. But I think there's there's a lot, you know, the Super Bowl is is so different in that the human element is going to be a huge part of it too, right? Like, I, I do wonder what the 49ers being an underdog in this game means. And Um, You know, I I know there's so much coming from players about tuning out the noise and not listening to what everybody's saying, but I think the consensus is, at least from like a national perspective, is that, you know, a lot of people are picking the Chiefs. The Chiefs are still one and a half point favorites. And I do wonder if the 49ers are sort of maintaining that um, underdog sort of persona that they had throughout the regular season. Where, you know, at least when they were undefeated, going 8-0 and and hadn't really played any good teams, a lot of people were like, well, are the 49ers for real? We don't really know if they're for real. Um, I, I do wonder if that's going to be an element to this game and, and how the team plays or have the 49ers developed enough confidence now to, you know, after beating the Packers twice the way they did, after going to Seattle, winning there in week 17 in such an enormous game. Um, beating New Orleans in that crazy shootout the way they did in early December, Uh, are the 49ers viewing themselves now as the better team than the Chiefs like you and I think they are in terms of the way the roster is built top to bottom? Or are they still feeling slighted? Or do they even pay attention and care to what the national people are saying who say, you know, Patrick Mahomes is the most talented quarterback we've ever seen, and he's on such an incredible role right now in these playoffs that um, the Chiefs should should be favored to win. And like we mentioned, like, I don't necessarily think it's a coincidence that underdogs in the Super Bowl are 8-3 and three straight up to win the game in the last 11 Super Bowls. Like, I, I think that a lot of that is a human element in that the team that's expected to win maybe doesn't play with the same edge. And uh, and I just wonder if that's going to factor in because being around the 49ers all week, like they are a confident bunch. They are calm. It doesn't sound like there's any sort of um, drama or missteps going on during this week. You know, you remember the the Super Bowl in New Orleans. You had Chris Culliver making those statements at that media night. Um, you had guys, <laughs> uh, I guess, acting out in New Orleans during that week. And I think everything that happened that week sort of uh, played into the team's performance against the Ravens in that Super Bowl. I haven't gathered that there's anything like that going on this week with the 49ers, despite being in South Beach and despite playing in uh, you know staying in downtown Miami and all of that I I find that this is this team seems really focused and calm and confident and uh, I haven't been around the Chiefs uh, admittedly but I do wonder how much that's going to factor into the game as well
3: so I think part of the human element thing and you touched on this a little bit but like the Chiefs I imagine I, I know players say like I don't pay attention to that. I don't listen to that. And maybe that's true. Maybe some guys aren't on social media and they go in their room and they watch movies or, or whatever and are completely closed off to the outside world. But I imagine knowing that a lot of these guys are in their early to mid 20s, they're on social media a little bit. They see, uh, you know, different articles and headlines. And maybe they don't click the headline, but they see the headline of like Patrick Mahomes is 49ers' biggest nightmare or they they see a segment on ESPN. Because if you're flipping the channels and you're Frank Clark, Frank Clark definitely watches SportsCenter um, and reads his own clippings. Um, if you're Tyreek Hill and you're flipping through the channels and you see someone talking about you, you're, you're probably going to stop. Like I think that's just human nature. Like, hey, what are these guys saying? And if you're the Chiefs and you've continued to hear all week about how awesome the offense is and how Jimmy Garoppolo can't throw, you probably start to feel yourself a little bit. And to the point you just made about how it might not be that big of a coincidence that since social media became super popular and the 24 hour sports news cycle is kind of blown up, that underdogs in Super Bowls have a, have a really good record straight up. So yeah, I think, I think that does play a role a little bit just because I mean, at the end of the day, we're all human and if you lean into press clippings about how awesome you are, uh, the word you I think edge was the word you used. I I think the the edge is gone a little bit. So, uh, I I think the underdog thing, although it's not a huge underdog, like a one and a half point is basically the pick them. Right, um, I was gonna but, say that. But like, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is the Niners should probably be favorite in this like Warren Sharp who you mentioned earlier was on another podcast and said that he thinks that these teams played 100 times the Niners win more than 50 of them and I think that's probably right so I think the 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 49ers being an underdog I think the 49ers being an underdog from a point spread standpoint just comes from sportsbooks needing to get money on both sides and I think they're going to get a lot of public money on the Chiefs because of all the things we just talked about, all the people talking about how great Patrick Mahomes is and how the Niners aren't going to be able to stop him. When, like I said earlier, I think the real story is whether the Chiefs are going to be able to stop the 49ers, and I I, I don't think they can.
2: Yeah, and, and I know the Chiefs' defense has played much better lately, and uh, I'm, I'm just looking at their schedule right now. Since their bye week, which was Week 12, uh, which was the same week the 49ers played the Packers the first time. Um, the Chiefs have beaten the Raiders 40 to9. They beat the Patriots 23,16. The Patriots offensively certainly uh, were not a juggernaut this season, and so I don't I don't view that at game as a particularly uh, huge win for them defensively. Uh, the Denver Broncos, they beat them 23 to3. The Broncos were obviously having quarterback issues late in the season. They beat the Bears and, and Mitch Trubisky 26-3 to in a game that was probably pretty meaningless for Chicago at that point. Um, and then they beat the Chargers 31-21 uh, before beating, you know, Houston and Tennessee um, and allowing 31 points and 24 points in those games. I just, I, I understand. I mean, look, I, I was there in week three when Patrick Mahomes had, you know, orchestrated touchdown drives on on five straight Possessions to open that game in, in 2018 when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. I know how good Patrick Mahomes is. Um, but I, I just think this is a scenario where the best – like the Niners are a better team just from top to bottom. And, and, you know, we mentioned it before we started recording this pod. Pro Football Focus listed the top 53 players in this game. And I think this is sort of evident – Uh, or just an example of of how you and I both feel about this game. Like Patrick Mahomes, they have as the number one player in this game, obviously, right?
3: Right, and I I, I think that's correct. Like Patrick Mahomes, the best player in the game.
2: Yeah, so you go through it. The Niners have one, two, uh, three, four, five of the top ten guys in this game, right? And then from 11... To 24 they have the next 13 guys good um,
3: lord so so of the top 25 16 are 49ers i believe so
2: i would have to go back and recount just to be sure wow um and then you know you go to 24 uh you're you're looking at a, a lot more 49ers even still i bet if if we were to dive through this and go through like the top 40. I would bet the 49ers had well over 25 or probably Man. around 25. Um, but that's um, just Go ahead. No, it it just speaks to I think how the you know the talent disparity in, in from the between these two teams and I the, the point I made when I was talking with Nick Wagner um, and we were talking about this subject too friend of the pod espn's writing, nick wagner actually. espn's nick wagner who's yeah, who's you. been writing a lot of kick-ass content this week too mm-hmm. um been driving around with him and uh we've
3: talked I'm a lot joking, about I this game
2: <laughs> what's that
3: i uh, you said he's been writing kick-ass content and i went nah. and then i said i'm <laughs> joking i love you yeah
2: keep going um wagner does listen to the pod so oh, shit.
3: Um, but
2: he uh i forget what what i was gonna say oh we made the point that like while the 49ers roster is probably significantly better you look at Patrick Mahomes being the guy for for the Chiefs and it's it's sort of like the way we viewed the 49ers and the Seahawks right in that the Seahawks didn't have a particularly good roster particularly late in the year because they were dealing with so many injuries but even when they're healthy it was like all right you look up and down this roster the Niners are significantly better than the Seahawks but the the obvious variable here is is what you get from russell wilson and russell wilson is sort of the rising tide that that can lift all boats for that team and it could be something where patrick mahomes is the same type of guy and so um i'm just fascinated to see how it's how it's going to play out because i think we're going to learn a lot about robert sala and and really how good of a def- defensive coordinator he is because he's going to be going against you know, the best quarterback in the league, a a legendary coach in Andy Reid? And is he going to be able to come up with enough wrinkles to, you know, maybe slow Patrick Mahomes down a beat or two and allow the 49ers pass rush to get after him? And with the 49ers pass rush, too, like this is another thing I'm going to be writing about before the game. John Lynch basically said it before the season, like we built a championship level defensive line and this might be the last time it looks this way because Eric Armstead is you know he has pending free agency um, or he's going to be a, a free agent after the season I should say and then you know Ronald Blair might not be back um, so we don't know if the for, if the composition of the 49ers defensive line is going to look like this ever again and with John Lynch sort of heaping that that uh, pressure on that defensive line to carry the defense now you're you're in a scenario where this is the toughest challenge the 49ers defensive line has faced and the most important one obviously not only because it's Super Bowl but it's Patrick Mahomes the best quarterback you've gone against and the best offense and is all of that faith in the defensive line um, gonna pay off because I, I don't know if the 49ers are gonna be able to replicate this success with the defensive line going forward and maybe they will keep Armstead. I, I You know, that, that still remains very much in play. But, you know, Armstead was healthy for 16 games. And, and, you know, that hasn't been the case throughout a significant portion of his career. And Nick Bosa uh, has played in every single game this year. Obviously, he only played in three last year and, and dealt with different injuries in, in high school and in college. Um, you know, we mentioned Ronald Blair, who's currently recovering from an ACL tear. Uh, it's just we don't know if we're going to get this version of the 49ers defensive line again. And so everything has sort of been built to this and all the talk about the championship-level defensive line, well, now you have an opportunity for that defensive line basically to single-handedly win you a championship. Because if the 49ers defensive line sacks Patrick Mahomes five times, which I do think is possible, and, you know, Hits him and and forces a ball out and gets some key turnovers or you know forces Mahomes into throwing an interception or whatever. Um, that's obviously going to be a huge factor in the game and how this how this plays out. And so you know I I just think it's it's really interesting that we have now the best pass rush in the league versus the best passer. I, I'm really excited to just watch that aspect of the game.
3: Yeah, and I think that this defense was built to stop a modern offense just from front to back, their speed and power on the defensive line their their speed in the second level with their linebackers, their versatility uh, at safety, and then their big strong corners with Emmanuel Mosley and Richard Sherman and to an extent, Akella Witherspoon uh, and then K1 Williams in the slot has been dynamite. So uh, I, I, I really think that this defensive unit, specifically the defensive front was built to mess with with modern offenses, and Andy Reid is as modern as an offense gets. I understand he's been around forever, but part of the reason he's been around so long is because he continues to innovate and he continues to be on the cutting edge of of offensive football. So that's that's where I think the Forty ers might might have an advantage is because their defense, just front to back is is so specifically designed to beat an offense like this all right so let's make our predictions uh and
2: why don't we do super bowl mvp too oh okay um you want me to go first give you give you some time to to spew on that
3: um i mean it whatever you want i've got takes you've got takes all right dude i'm ready
2: i'm gonna go 34 31 49ers okay um Gonna be a close, entertaining game. A lot of things are gonna happen. Um, and so I can't decide. I think it's either going to be one of the rookies. Um
3: oh, interesting.
2: I think it's gonna be Nick Bosa or Debo Samuel. And I think because let's see. You know what? Because it's gonna be high scoring in my prediction. At least, um, I'm going to go with Samuel. Samuel could end up having like two touchdowns, and like 140 all-purpose yards or something like that because he'll probably run the ball a lot, not a lot, but he'll run the ball. Um, you know, he'll he'll do something. He averages like, run the he ball averages four... like
3: 28 yards a carry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll run the ball like four times for 60 yards or something, and uh, and then have a nice game uh, receiving score a couple touchdowns and I think he'll be MVP
3: yeah the path the path to a Nick Bosa MVP just to just to stick on that for a second is like a 27 20 game where he has like two and a half sacks and scores a touchdown like I think I think that's the path to a Nick Bosa MVP I don't think Nick Bosa is gonna win MVP because I have the 49ers winning 38 34 and I just feel like with the way these types of things go and the amount of weapons the Niners have I think that the MVP in that scenario will be Jimmy Garoppolo because I think he's going to need to throw two or three touchdowns he's going to need to throw for 270 plus yards and if he completes 68 70 percent of his throws for 278 yards and three touchdowns he can even throw an interception in there I just I I think that that's going to get him MVP all day unless of course 200 of those yards and all three touchdowns are to Debo or something but I I think that if he throws three touchdowns we probably see one to three different guys and um, you know tack on a couple of rushing touchdowns by by Mostert or Coleman and I just I, I think that the Niners win in a close high scoring game because I like to be different with my takes and I, and I think in that scenario, it's it's hard to imagine Garoppolo's not the MVP.
2: There could be a scenario where the Niners win by running the ball a lot. Like, they could run the ball 35 times. Uh, Raheem Mostert could score twice. And the MVP should go to George Kittle for just dominating as a blocker on the edge the entire game. And they just follow him. Um, but he would never win it because he wouldn't have the counting stats in this made-up scenario. Um, but... Kittle's probably the Niners' best player in this game, I think, and uh, whether he's whether he's catching or or just you know blocking, I, I think, obviously, like, saying George Kittle is important is um, not really That's... intelligent analysis. I just think that like there there's a scenario where we watch this game and we're like, man, Kittle was far and away the best guy in the field for the 49ers on offense yeah we in saw it game, the first two playoff games right in a game where they they put up a bunch of points but because he has three catches for 50 yards and no touchdowns then we're gonna be like eh, so so performance or you know but
3: yeah you know, I, Raheem
2: I, Mostert will get MVP and then we'll, everybody who watches the game closely knows what they're looking at will be like nah, 85 probably should have won it
3: yeah and there's enough there's enough social media content that I think that will that will permeate the public perception and Kittle dominates in the run game. Just so emphatically that it's, it's hard not to notice, but I could also see Garoppolo having a game just to your point where the Niners run a ton and he goes like, like 11 for 17 for, but for like 200 yards because they rip off so many chunk plays because the chiefs are scrambling to stop the run game. So uh, I, I think it's a, it's a testament to the Niners roster that there are like four different guys who are probably a good MVP pick. Yep. Um,
2: so I think that's it. It one twenty eight in the morning here in Miami. Um, I need to wake up tomorrow and bang out two more stories and go pick up my game credential. And then uh, I am taking the rest of the weekend off once that happens. I haven't like really gone out in Miami yet. And I'm having some serious FOMO because I'm on Instagram looking at a bunch of other media people like going to concerts and hanging out on South Beach and enjoying themselves and I've been holed up in my hotel room late at night like pretty much the entire week just banging out this content so um, I'm looking forward to going out and uh, and checking out Miami because I've never been here before so if anybody has any recommendations drop me a line on Twitter you can follow me, but uh, as we pointed out, the 49ers are have gone to the Super Bowl in every season since this podcast has existed. So, um, just keep that in mind when you drop your uh, when you drop your reviews and you subscribe and you rate. Uh, we appreciate it greatly. We will talk to you guys after the Super Bowl at some point next week um it's probably not going to be sunday night for obvious reasons and it might not be monday because i'll be flying back to california monday night uh, so we might be looking at a tuesday night pod we will have to see how that goes based on what happens in the game and, and based on all the crazy scheduling stuff we got coming up um and yeah it's been a fun season Kyle, thank you so much for uh, for being an awesome co-host and handling some of these producing duties. I greatly appreciate it. You are, uh, it would be impossible to do this show with without everything that you contribute. So I very, very much appreciate you. It's been a fun season and we will talk to you guys on the other side of Super Bowl 54. It's still kind of crazy to say the 49ers are playing in the Super Bowl in just a few days, but I hope everybody enjoys the game um, eat some good food, drink some good drinks and, uh, and have fun. And we will talk to you guys next week.